Hello, everyone. This is episode 29 of High Fantasy. And if that number is wrong, I blame Colin because he made the card. And we're talking about endings, but I have no experience with them. So uh, it's going to be weird. <laughs> well, we can figure out the endings. We can at least talk about the endings we've hated. Yeah, we, we can do the, the bitching side. I mean, we can always do that. We're good at that one. But it's like, I've, I've never gotten through the middle far enough to actually write an ending. And this is episode 30. So congratulations, oh. it's 30. Woo. Colin, it's your oh, fault. I just looked at that too. <laughs> Damn. It's only taken us forever to get here. Now there's no evidence of my mistake. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. So uh, since what was apparently 29, uh, have anyone been productive? Uh. Productive and quality, not quantity. Uh, I've been okay. lis- been listening to slash watching Altered Carbon, so it's kind of weird. I'm reading well, reading the book while I'm also watching the Netflix series. And one thing that he does really well is descriptions, and so that's what I've been like focusing on is like really good descriptions of rooms and places and events. Uh, so that's. <laughs> It's an easy way to add word content, too, when you're like, hey, let's spend 700 words describing this place. And that's how most people end up getting lots and lots of words and why most people need to cut some down. But you are too sparse, so you need to build more words. Right, right. It's a good exercise for you. uh, So been doing that. I feel like they've been pretty good. Uh, Gotten back on Andromeda's Love, so hopefully we can finish that in the next six months or so. Uh, need to finish, finish, uh, fucking reservations, but I'm at the point where it's like, all right, let's make sure all the commas are in place. And I just, I hate that part. So I haven't really been (laughs) focusing on it. I've been plotting a new story. What's the story? I can't help myself. Uh, colonial America inspired fantasy story. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. I'm still trying to work on the Victorian stuff, and I I think I've decided it's at least the real world map with slightly different history. And because during Victorian time period, there was also uh, Otto von Bismarck basically reshaping Europe, I'm getting really drawn into Germanic history with the 1800s. (laughs) Like, that has been my obsession the past couple days. Uh, if you're looking for an interesting sort of reference for, you know, more fantasy stuff in that setting, check out uh, Gotham by Gaslight. We just watched that last night and it's really good. It's Batman versus Jack the Ripper in Gotham in the correct time period with like the 1820s or whatever. Hmm. It's really good. It, it actually carries an R rating. So, it uh, you know, it's a bit more adult. Interesting. So, um, endings. Colin, you've written an ending before, right? Technically, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I've written an ending. Actually, two endings. Finish at this a trilogy. Point. So, like three endings and a super ending. Yes. Cool. <laughs> or two to be continued, and uh, hey, I guess we're done now. Yeah, kind of. And it was a children's young adult series, so it wasn't overly in depth mm, did you just happy ending happy after ever after type because for the most it's, part 
mean, his best friend still died at the end of the first book, so. Mm. The boy got the girl. Ta-da! Everyone married their high school sweetheart and all had children at the exact same time. So we all go to school at the same time as each other and have And they all have super, super sappy names that are just... Mm. (laughs) And the only thing is, this isn't just Harry Potter that we're raging about, at least not for me, because the same should happen in Naruto. Sorry, I just spoiled that all for you guys. I'm never going to watch it. I mean, it was pretty good up until like the last 100, 200 chapters, and then it was like way too convoluted and then everything happened to finish it within like five and the last chapter was just like the epilogue of everyone and their babies <laughs> well that's a good question should you even have an epilogue if you have a good ending don't have an epilogue i feel like epilogues are there for bad endings i feel like it's just standard fare for epic fantasy i think it has something to do with like the ending of the story but not the ending of the world like an epilogue can kind of show that there's still life after whatever ending so it's like if there was the big like world destructive type plot happening and that's done you have to kind of show that you know things are continuing after which i kind of think epilogues do in high fantasy you don't have you really to wrap up a few loose ends and not be mm-hmm. ending. like the epilogue is not the ending of your story no it's it's just maybe wrapping up something or i mean that's what the ending the epilogue for harry potter was but it just wasn't very well done mm. i mean she doesn't know how to end anything anyway that's the reason i quit like l- reading through harry potter is her like because when she started getting more and more story threads she felt the need to wrap them all up all at once and you know it was like four endings in Goblet of Fire. And after that, I was like, I'm done. I'm out. Screw you. The problem with that is it's so artificially structured around a school year that it's yeah. frustrating that nothing ever gets solved until the last couple of weeks of school. True. Very true. It's just one of those things that upsets me is like you end once. You can wrap up story threads without ending, but when you end, it needs to be over. That kind of seems like it's almost getting to the the thing that I have a real irritation with, which lots and lots of TV shows and some book series of never ending. Like they just continue, they pull the premise, stretch it even thinner in order to continuously pump out basically the same story. Thank God for Netflix and things like that. Let let them do self-contained shows that have no need to be stretched out yeah I'm, I'm really liking that they have like this is the one story it is over you get this many seasons it's done yeah that's the a very british uh, styled way to do things except for doctor who most british shows are like <laughs> they end after like 30 episodes oh god imagine if they had like serialized game of thrones and just kept making up new stories Wait, they're doing that, aren't there? Like five Game of Thrones spinoffs? Yeah, they're self-contained stories. Still, it's weird to call anything that George R. R. Martin does self-contained. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they might not be making it worse, but they're drawing on something that's just as bad. True, but at least and, they have set a finale to the series. 
Yes. Um, on that series. On that series. And, but then they have the, the spinoffs that they're apparently working on. And Right, but I don't know how involved Martin is on in those. Mm. I thought he was helping with them. Well, I did. Like I said, I don't know how involved he is in those or not. So, but yeah, I, endings endings can make or break your story. I've seen yeah. so many times in movies where, and it has just as many pitfalls as the middle, <laughs> to where like the ending can just fall flat, like Waterworld. Kevin Costner movie, super long, like three hours long, whatever. Uh, really good to the last 20 minutes. And the last 20 minutes just ruins the entire movie. Like, it almost becomes unwatchable. Even though for two two hours and 40 minutes, it's really good. It just, the last 20 minutes are so bad, you just won't go back into it. I've also seen the reverse in different areas where, like, the middle's kind of meh, but the ending ramps up and is so good. It, like, have you seen the? Uh, it was the remake like 15 years ago of The Hills Have Eyes. Did not see that. It's overly violent, disgusting, weird hillbilly violence in like the California desert. Mm-hmm. And the first hour and a half or so is just like this is kind of violent and gross. And if it wasn't at 1 a.m. and I was with my cousins, I probably wouldn't be watching this. And then the, then the last half hour is just pure, absolute amazement. Mainly because mm-hmm. the guy just goes on the killing spree and does what we've all been wanting to do the whole movie. Mm. But it's just great. It's just what I wanted out of the last half hour of the movie. Right. And you can get, I mean, it's something you can do with the ending where if you're building for a big ending, in, ending, ending, and then you got to deliver, right? So you can sort of plod towards the last third of, or a quarter of whatever movie book. And when you get there, if you can hook the reader in, that's all that matters. Because humans in general just remember the most recent thing. So if the, <laughs> the last 10 chapters are really good, that's all you need. <laughs> really. It, the, the rest can be, you know, world building and then a little bit of story, then finish and poof, you've got a bestseller. Yeah, that's pretty much every Malison book. <laughs> 800 pages of very in-depth exposition of God knows what's going on. And then the last 100 or 200 pages is just nonstop action. Like my favorite book in that series, uh, The Eighth One Told the Hounds, is so long-winded and philosophical for the first 800 pages that you kind of don't even remember what happened. But the ending is just so good. We think about like, you know, I know you're going to rail on the Hunger Games, but the, the first Hunger Games, very well done. That doesn't really get going until she gets in the arena. You know, that is, and that's what, when most people think of the Hunger Games, they think of her in the, the, the arena the first time. So instead of, you know, all the, the plot building with, the the you know the, the start of that weird love triangle thing going on with Peta and what's his name starts the J I think uh, I don't oh, remember not, um, this is how much we cared about that series after Peta and oh god what was the kid's name like I I mean it's all very necessary things and you know helps get her into books two and three which. I think I'm the only person alive who likes book three, but I enjoyed book three. Uh, but, you know, there's all sorts of stuff in there that 
isn't really needed if it was going to stop at the end of book one. Yeah, she got lucky and it got picked up and it's very obvious she had no idea what she was doing going into book two. <laughs> uh, but it really wasn't needed. You could have almost started that book in the arena and it would have been fine. Maybe, but it's just like, there was no need for that series to be a trilogy, not really. It was just but, there was, the logical ending is the ending of the <laughs> book. Right. And then the, everything after that is like the second book is essentially a redoing of the first book. The second book is how you do the middle wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you mean let's read, let's, so we've written 300 words. Let's write the same 300 words with a bit of a twist. Oh, it just felt so ham-handed. Did y'all ever see the, the robot chicken where they're making fun of in Night Shyamalan with the guy always going, it's a twist. You know, oh, it's, it's hilarious. But whenever I think of the second Hunger Games book, that's what I think of is like Susan Collins just going, it's a twist, it's a twist all over a typewriter. <laughs> I mean, twist endings are fun. I mean, I think like the favorite I ever had was in uh, the book called Immortal Prince by Jennifer Fallon. Is that There's a really complicated story all the way through the like 800 pages that it is. But then one of the characters at the ending just has like this passing thought that explains some other aspects and it completely changes the meaning of like several really big parts of that book. So you have to like reread it again. It's like, oh, that's all the tiny little hints. That was fun. <laughs> so, twists can be good. Just if right, right, right. But like she was just like tweaking things like, oh, let's put them back in the arena. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we have to. Because I suddenly have huge popularity and need to put out a second book. Right. And the only like the only thing I can really think of for it is that it, it provides the strong enough motivation for Katniss to kill Coin in the end. Because she because it shows how much she loves Prim, right? You know, because she there was she was pretty much the only girl available. Um, and so when she realizes that sh her side killed her sister, she loses it. That's really the only thing that book sets up, plus the continuing love triangle. That's when that series gets really teeny and angsty, is <laughs> book two, and they're like, let's get the love triangle going. <laughs> the only thing I can think of for book two that it would have been too quick to go from book one straight into book three. Like the rebellion, it was too early for the rebellion to just show up. Yeah. Right. I feel like, uh, like the building of the rebellion, she did very well. And I really enjoyed the building of Katniss and Peta's relationship. I hated that it was dismantled. And then at the end, like the last chapter, it's just, oh, happily ever after with two kids. Right. Oh, oh yeah, that whole time. See, oh. I did not get the happy ever happy happily ever after in the, the epilogue. I mean, she was describing the fact that she still has like, PTSD, but like you, you build up the relationship and then you destroy it. Okay, fine, it's gone. And she's not happy. But the fact that they still did the living together in two kids ending, and it's no longer satisfying in any way. And there wasn't the build up again of their relationship. It was just, Isn't he's still exactly? trying to kill her. And then they're married with kids. Isn't that like what How I Met Your Mother did when they spent the entire series explaining why Ted and 
uh, what's her name? Robin. Robin don't make sense as a couple. And then the last episode's like, they're going to be a couple now. I, I, you just told me why they don't make sense as a couple. For nine fucking years. <laughs> I like, did not. I did not hate that ending. I it felt was, like it was an insult to the mother, but oh yeah, it was for sure, and to the audience. But I wasn't like, oh my god, this is like. <laughs> it wasn't a kicking your puppy level of frustration. No. It was just annoyance. And I liked, even no matter how contrived it was, I liked Barney's ending. Yeah, it was yeah. sweet. It was sweet. But you just told me why Ted and Robin don't work for so long. I feel like they just wanted the relationship. Yeah, you can't really go back on the same message that you've been given forever and try to make it work. You have to show why that answer makes sense. Right, but like is, the writers and, have said it was like since season one, because they got picked up for an entire season or like a half season. So if they weren't going to get, you know, renewed, it was going to be Robin at the end of season one. So it's always been, been fun. Right. Yes, but then you had nine seasons in between and probably should have sat down and realized that it didn't work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> well, that show really should have ended about season six. Like the last two or three seasons are really just bleh. Which season did Bernie and Robin get married in? Uh, season, well, season nine is pretty much all around the wedding. Oh, right. uh, I lost interest around then. Yeah, season nine wasn't the best. It wasn't as good as season nine of The Office. Or season seven of Parks and Rec, which may be the best final season ever. But yeah, if you're going to have relationships and tie them into your ending, make sure that the rest of the story justified it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, all the reasons that people hate romances a lot of the time is like, these people make no sense. <coughs> like, they meet, all of a sudden they're desperately in love with each other and throwing everything else about their lives. It's like, doesn't make sense. That's why I was always frustrated when Luna and Neville didn't get together. <laughs> but that's that's kind of the thing that's that I like, really enjoyed uh, out of the second book, Hunger Games, is the fact that uh, her and Peta did make sense at that point. And they both horribly damaged packages. Yeah, but right. they they cared about each other and they were actually yeah. working to take care of each other. And they yeah they they were very terribly damaged people who were cuddling together to like for for dear life pretty much. Yeah, it's just like that okay that. It, it, yeah, it does. It fit. And I enjoyed that part of it. It's like, we're all children who had to murder other children, so... <laughs> and then she killed it in book three and then did it anyways. Mm, yeah. If you're going to kill a relationship, just do it. <laughs> Don't try to bring it back like that. Or if you're going to bring it back, bring it back. Don't just show it's back all of a sudden for no reason. Right. Yeah. This uh, wasn't meant to be the anti-romance episode. <laughs> The ending, but see, we, we don't know much about it. Fuck you, fuck you, love. <laughs> That's pretty much what this podcast has been so far. It's just, oh, it, it is almost Valentine's Day. Yeah. We should, we, we should have had a more on topic, like romance thing. <laughs> oh, yes, this is the closest one to Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, guess it was subtitle hate, We Hate Love. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. A lot of endings have to do with romances or like, you know, the happily ever after is literally basically you run off, get married, like all the romances, the struggle of getting to the marriage point, And then so many stories don't tell after that. Right. Because like they don't care about that. This is either assumed or not true at all. <laughs> well, that and like, 
I mean, being married is, you know, in terms of story life is pretty fucking boring. (laughs) Like in terms of like writing a book about it. Yeah, a lot of it is is just, hey, video games with my best friend. Cool. (laughs) So much. I mean. (laughs) Oh, God. I've read like three stories in the past year that involved like a military commander retiring with his wife and family happily ever after. And then the military shows up to enlist him again. Right. I mean, there's. And like and the only so way much. to make marriage in a story interesting is either break up the break up the relationship somehow, or an external strife that puts both of them in weird positions. I mean, I guess. Or, I mean, I think it's fine if like there's if you mean by the external strife putting weird positions, like they can both be a married couple trying to right fight whatever plot is happening. Yeah, that Correct. right, that right. So fun. it's. Right, right. So the, yeah, that's so it's, it's either it's either the one where they come and you know get the soldier, you know, uh, I'm too old for this shit. But you're the only one kind of story, <laughs> and, which really speaks volumes to our shitty military system that can't promote internally qualified officers to step into place when someone retires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, uh, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> I mean, they did that with Vin and Aland and uh, the third Mistborn, where, you know, they're married, but a little too busy to have marital bliss. Yeah, well, it also happened like Stargate, but that was more of a, uh, hey, we don't really care if you die and you're suicidal enough to actually do this. (laughs) So that was where that was. That wasn't a, hey, you're the only one who can do it. It's like, you're the only one we know who can do it and is okay with dying. Because you do get that like suicidal, not not like <coughs> the movie he was about to put a gun to his head, but um, you know, not not the whole "I'm going to kill myself," but the "I don't care if I die" thing in a lot of those military stories. There's another trope I was just thinking of of that unlikable character who does something suicidally, dangerously brave just to give him a happy and ending. Redeemable, yeah. Um. For anyone who watched Stranger Things season two with uh, Sean Astin being the boyfriend, he was like <laughs> that yeah. ended up doing a heroically brave suicidal mission. It but seems like was... a lot of people were expecting him to be a bad guy in disguise anyway. No, he was just a good guy. <laughs> yeah. But it reminded me of there was a season of, um, what's the show? 24. When he was the like district boss who came in and was the... Because every season of 24 needed inter-department drama in CTU. Of course. And he was the boss that came in and pissed everything off. And yeah, that show needed to cut that whole thing. And And that was a show that really needed to end a lot sooner. And then the place got gassed and everyone got stuck in these rooms that were sealed. But the seals were breaking because of the gas. And he volunteered and went and did the fans or something and died in the process. And it was like almost the exact same thing as Stranger Things. But it was this character you hated who went and did something heroic and brave and died to save everyone else. Because it's like this nice little ribbon that you put on. Again, everyone just remembers what happens at the end. (laughs) And, you know, then it's a whole maybe he wasn't so bad, just misunderstood. Mm. But then it's like, okay, so what if Snape had a redeeming ending? He was still an asshole to kids for years and years and years, like abusive to them. Yeah, there's tough love teaching, and then I just hate students. Yeah. Like, he should not have been a teacher. Oh, he shouldn't have. 
I mean, I love it when people are lampooning Hogwarts. It's like, you really had bad background checks. <laughs> <laughs> there was a thread on Reddit about that the other day. Yeah. Came to mind. It was just like... Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, some things about the way Harry Potter was like, you've got the formula, you got to stick to that formula because that's kind of what's sold and is the thing that people are expecting. So like in book seven, when they left Hogwarts, I really didn't like it because that wasn't the formula I was expecting, (laughs) even though it made a little bit more sense in the terms of the fact that they're trying to deal with the worldly issues. Eh. There was time for them to leave school, but maybe it was time for the series to end. Well, it did. Well, it's... don't break the formula that's kind of what like why hunger games had to have that reason of like you need to go back into the arena for book two because that's the formula it's not a formula if it's one book but it's the thing that was the entire thing of this yeah she really didn't have anything else to do no that was that was it so she had to make it again and then the third book didn't have it because she didn't have a reason for it (laughs) she could have invented a reason it it worked in book two yeah well they brought it back you know the end. Well, they bantered it, but it's, it's, it was just to make sure you got the point that the good guys were also terrible people. Yeah, right. It's really in your face about it too. No subtlety with it. You know, every everyone's rebel, everyone's he- rebel hero is another person's war criminal. You know, and she just took that. To and me. then they do war uh, crimes. And yeah, then they commit war crimes. And he's like, she takes it to the next level. I mean. There's a lot of things that if you stick to a formula, I think that you'll be able to keep something ongoing fairly well. You mean like, like James Patterson, who writes like 11 billion books a year? Doesn't he only ghostwrite them? And yeah, even it, then, I, I don't the know. The fact but... that he can have like 15 plus books coming out in one year, so there's no way he's actually writing them. He might like. He's not Sanderson. No, no, he's not. I think he just has minions. Like, yeah. actual oh minions. no, he's known for ghostwriting, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. But, Whereas at least Dan Brown actually writes his book, but I'm pretty sure he's just got a Word document that has each part and he just cuts and pastes what the topic is this time. <laughs> and he's got a formula and the formula kind of works. I mean, I'm a secret Dan Brown liker. They're very formulaic, but they're still entertaining. Yeah. They do I the mean, job. The old school Law and Order, I really enjoyed that. Oh, God. I love Law and Order. It was fun. It- procedural drama for nothing exactly <laughs> and it was good that's a good way to do a ton of middle as long as you don't stretch oh, it too thin we did a i forget what class it was in high school years ago but like even the music and the dun duns and whatnot in law and order told you what the next scene was going to be mm-hmm. like if it was, if it was a red herring you'd get this thing if it was this is the suspect you get the right sound and it was just like oh wow yeah. it but it, it let you know what's going on. So you never was really surprised. You kind of had that little inkling and then like a suspense of like, oh my God, something's going to happen. It was, like, it was really, well, it was well done. And the one episode is it's one story. So things didn't have to become the serial story of increasing craziness. But when you get things like Luther was pretty fun in the beginning and then it kind of stretched its formula into stupidity because it always had like the big like crime plot and then there was something to do with a girl <laughs> always and they would be interacting with each other in various ways and just a bunch of bad shit happening it was just getting more and more stupid yeah What's it's okay to actually end something and we've yes. gotten into this really we're just in pop culture in general where everything is very serialized and in some form of continuity 
but you know you know what it's okay to write a book and that's it yeah. and it not be a trilogy or a uh, yeah. alex you were the most guilty of that when i was originally plotting garland's story i mean i really like thinking of like okay so you set this up but what the hell happens after I like, like that. That was the book. after part. Nothing else. Uh, nothing else has to happen after. It can just yeah. something. Little thing. Like I was Dude. brainstorming with her on that book, and then she's like, "Well, this could happen in the second book." And then this, I'm like, "I, I wasn't aware I was writing more than one book here." If you bring in airships out of nowhere, that kind of changes the situation. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say, did anyone watch the show Lucifer? No. It's a good show. But it also, it's very procedural, which I think actually hurts it because it's like got an interesting premise of just the, the, the devil hanging out in LA and he's helping this cop. It's kind of the opposite of Dresden. But then every episode needs to be like crime-based where there's like this, there's so much story outside of the crime-based procedural drama to explore, but you only get so little of it because they're too busy showing crime, crime after crime. Man. I mean, I like serial stories. I really enjoy them. I just want them to have a an ending to go towards so that when they are building up, it's not just this constant buildup and nothing happening. Or if there was something significant that happened, the next episode is going to show you why that was meaningless. <laughs> it's like some things need to have like the satisfaction of being significant. And that means altering the actual story, which is like you're going to do that when you end it. So build up to that. I enjoyed the, uh, was it Ari, I think his name was, in uh, NCIS, the second season. The villain who kills one of the main characters. I don't um, This Israeli terrorist mm. who snipes off one of the main characters when they're all standing there. Then they bring in his half-sister to join the team. And then I think they wrap up that whole thing in like two seasons, like I, I love the villain, but okay, time for him to go away. Yeah. You've got more you can do outside of that. And then you do have the revolving doors of villains because you can't have the, the actual series end. But the show doesn't necessarily... I haven't watched the show in years at this point because it's still on and probably should have ended. But the show doesn't tie itself to reoccurring villains necessarily. Like That's They good. had one for a little while, then they went back to the serial procedural drama then they introduced a new villain for a little while i mean that's kind of the benefit of a procedural thing of like uh so what if that villain is done with you still have crime happening elsewhere yeah. that you have to take mm. care of yeah. and that's good and you that can works. just stay that way but do you have any idea the stupid shit that law and order is getting into now no i just i saw that it was on netflix like svu season <laughs> 14 i turned it on to see what the hell would happen it was ridiculous and uh, Are they pushing the boundaries of what can be on broadcast television? Not quite that. It's just like it's not SVU anymore. It's internal. Uh, Was it internal affairs types of investigations of SVU because they've got to be dirty and there's like undercover agents and shit like that. Like, to be fair, um, back when Christopher Maloney was on the show, like that shit got to him. And I feel like it was a necessary part to explore the home life of them because mm -hmm. those crimes were terrible and did a number on them. Yeah, that's uh, like uh, Mindhunter on Netflix. That's something you do really well. 
is like show you the degradation of the home life of these people investigating the serial killers because they're exposed to all this like terrible terrible stuff and to get back on the topic of endings keep that in mind yeah this shit affects things sometimes you don't get a happy ending because of everything they went through to get there mm-hmm. um yeah bad endings or like unhappy endings are good bad endings are ones that leave the reader unsatisfied trying to clarify that <laughs> unhappy endings are fine right right they just have to be unhappy in the right like way that it makes sense yeah it's okay to have something very terrible <laughs> happen at the end and never come like and just have that be the end i feel like sanderson yeah. did both of that in the ending of wheel of time like all the characters who really couldn't come out of the series happy kind of just died in the end because it just wouldn't have been happy so everyone who could come out and have a happy ever after lived hmm. the characters who were going to have issues afterwards conveniently died so we didn't have to <laughs> go there right and sometimes a unhappy ending can be a very strong punctuation point uh there's a steve Carell movie uh, seeking friends for the end of the universe or into the world something like that really good and this is going to be a bit of a spoiler but the end of the movie, well, the whole premise of the movie is the world's going to end. And at the end of the movie, the world actually ends. And so you can, you feel this like internal tension starting to build as you realize you're getting near the end, like, especially once you start getting invested in the characters and sort of this, not really romance, <laughs> but sort of romance friendship thing between him and Kira Knightley. And then it just ends and you're just, you're like, oh. It's like it's like get you get like hit in the chest and it like it's, it's but it's perfect like it, it it just ends so well because it's over there is no maybes or anything else and it's just so final and like you know there, there's that part of you who is conditioned to look for the happy ending and when it doesn't happen you know there's this little part of your brain that's screaming in the corner going what the fuck's going on why what well, you know and so it's it's a really good way to like keep the reader's head wrapped around your book or your story after it's over i mean a little less impactful on that level but i thought they did the right thing with rogue one oh just killing yes. everybody just, they ha- i mean there's no reason for these characters to survive past this point yes so. mm-hmm. like i waited a really long time to watch that movie because i really didn't want to have to like i w- didn't want to watch it and then realize they were going to do a rogue two eventually Right. Nope. <laughs> no, everyone that needed to be dead was dead. That was the only way I, w- I walked away satisfied. It was good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It- of course, it made Leia's whole, this is a diplomatic mission, make no sense. I just <laughs> fucking watched you take those plans away. <laughs> yeah, it's the whole, we, we spent $250 million to fix one plot hole just to have a second plot hole. <laughs> but it, it was the appropriate way to end that movie. Oh. Yes. Characters. It was so good, yeah. yeah. I felt like there was a little too many characters get attached to any of them in particular. Besides, like, Jin and the droid was awesome. Oh, uh, the droid. The droid was good. It's Alan Tudyk. But, what do you expect? I know. It's but the character that doesn't get die. sarcasm. I love it. <laughs> I love those guys. I love, oh, God, the scene in the city that gets blown up when he it you think he walks out and then he gets shot and it's him behind him. <laughs> the droid was fun and it that ending it's okay it's like not everyone has to live not everyone needs to be happy because if those people had been happy then 
it would have just meant another terrible movie coming. I mean, if they had lived, I'd be like, well, where the hell were they in New Hope? There's that too. It yeah. didn't make sense for them to live. And nowadays, I really don't like the way that, for example, Marvel is just continuously like, no, you have to have the next movie and the next movie, next movie. And they're trying to keep everything so interconnected. Nothing is allowed to end. Aren't they done after Infinity War? Maybe. But it took way too many movies to get here. Well, it's just like, I really enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy. So I went and saw the second one. But I really didn't like that there was like a three-minute commercial for the next movie after that in the middle of it. It's like, so, okay, so this character that I've gotten attached to, it's like his funeral and there's pretty fireworks and that's nice. And then just insert, all of the old guys are going to get together and go off on adventures. New movie. Woo! I hate it. (laughs) I think a lot of like the phase one heroes are going away after Infinity War. Like, But then they have phase two. Well, technically, this is the end There's of phase money three. To make. Mm. <laughs> oh, my comic books, anyway. I just, like, it's okay. For, like, Deadpool was great as a standalone movie. The fact that they're making a second one, I'm te- like, hesitantly happy with. Did you see that Deadpool live tweeted the entire Super Bowl in character on his Twitter for the next <laughs> movie? It was hilarious. Yeah. Um, Deadpool's a fun character. It's just. I know. Like, but he can be bad if he's overdone yes and if they beat you over the head with it it's gonna get bad because you have to just like accept things need to stop Mm. I think Ryan Reynolds was actually the right casting call for that too yeah well I mean he's the one who made the movie happen in the first place did he? (laughs) yeah oh yeah he funded a chunk of Deadpool nice Yeah, so like he's the person that was right for it because he really fucking cared about it. Yeah, when he got cast in the that Wolverine movie as Deadpool, he like read of the char- he read up on the character and really enjoyed him. And then, you know, that thing happened <laughs> and he was really pissed about it, so he wanted a legit Deadpool movie. So back to endings. endings. I was going <laughs> to rant about Game of Thrones <laughs> because I don't know how we can possibly end that. And a lot of the issues of Game of Thrones, of the, the books, is that nothing is getting tied up. Everything is still this like strand of middle. Even for the tiny times he does tie up storylines, he always makes sure to introduce five more just to make up for it. Yeah. And then there's characters that do nothing and just like, He's got nothing like, but middle. Yeah. It hurts. Even you take like the Red Wedding, which for the most part appeared to be the finale for several main characters, but no wait, she's back from the dead. And <laughs> then people realize that she does nothing <laughs> and they cut her out. Like I'm really interested in where her character goes and ends. But she never comes back. She's she had two. one chapter, right? And then the, that's it. Oh, she well, she's three. got the okay. chapter where she appears. She's got the chapter where the poor Frey guy who's just got a shitty life gets killed because he's a Frey. Yeah. And then doesn't uh, Jamie get hanged by her? I don't know. I kind of like I stopped following it. Just the, I couldn't handle the never-ending travel. There yeah. was travel without a destination, literally. Jamie riding across the Riverlands constantly. It was Brienne Which, that really made me stop. Uh, it's like Brienne constantly. I'm just the same two questions of everyone. 
wandering around. I said, God damn it, can't do it. Yeah, like Jamie is riding around, getting involved in everything, and you know, having a lot of internal character development as he goes. And Brienne's just riding around, asking about a fair-haired girl with red hair or something like that. Yeah. Can't stand travel. (laughs) (laughs) And the show made it even worse when, you know, they put her face-to-face with Sansa, and then she leaves. Like, but in the book, she's, like, literally killing herself to find this girl. And in the show, she finds her and then just rides away. Which, God, if that happens in the book. <laughs> That'll make so many chapters useless. Yeah. What do, you, uh, what do you think about the endings that just sort of, they don't really end, they just are like, hey, the story's done. You know, we're, we're, we're no longer tracking these people. Kind of like it happened in the office where, you know, Jim and Pam left, Dwight's the boss. And you know, like on Monday, people are going to go into work and it's just going to be same old, same old. Like, I mean, that can work if you do it right. Yeah, I feel like it's necessary. I mean, that was sort of how they ended community as well, where they were just like, yeah, some people left, but, you know, the Dean and Jeff and other people are still just chilling out at school, teaching, doing shit. <laughs> you know, it's, okay, it's okay to say, like, this period of life is done. Life isn't done, just this period, and we're just not going to follow it anymore. Yeah, and that's what a lot of endings need to be. That's, like, what I was trying to describe with epilogues is, like, okay, that story's done, but shit still happens. Things are going on. Yeah, just show me life goes on. Yeah. Life, yeah, life goes on. Which was what the Harry Potter epilogue was to do meant to do. Uh, it just See? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't well done. It it tried. Uh, it it tried. did that. Yeah, it's See, life went on. It's something sort of that I I mean, while I still love the Dresden books, I still have an issue with is like not everyone's life is gonna be this shitty for this long. Like, <laughs> like it is no, no, no. <laughs> just Dresden and then the people he has to interact with. Just them. <laughs> Right, but I mean, a lot of stories they feel like they're this entire per you know, character's life has to be like this epic struggle of good versus evil, where maybe it's just like three years and then they just go run like the convenience store on the corner because that's all they have the skills to do, you know? Like, <laughs> it's okay to end a book that way where everyone's just like, hey, I'm a human again. And if you make your characters go through enough hell, being human again and normal again is a giant victory. And it doesn't yeah. like. He kind of doesn't. I'm in the middle of cold days now, and he kind of deliberately doesn't do that at the start of that. It's like, hey, I'm alive again. Fuck this shit again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, he doesn't get to have the, the nice, comfy life. He's he just no. immediately back into torture. So, Tristan's endings typically bother me Why? in the way that every. The final chapter is always like 50 pages long. Actually, I don't know how many pages because I'm reading on Kindle. But it's, you know you're in the last chapter. Everything gets wrapped up. And he just kind of like walks you through step by step, everything getting wrapped up. Yeah, there are at least little bits of it. Like Typically, Dresden beats the bad guy, gets knocked out or something. And then the next chapter is him waking up and finding out everything worked out. Yeah, it's like, okay, these people are injured. They're in the hospital for this much of time. Uh, These people are doing okay. That person's living, but like battered emotionally this in this kind of like and, and in between i i noticed something that makes me nervous so that'll get 
brought up in the next book. A little bit. Like he there. walks you through it. Yeah. The, the last chapter is like, it's the epilogue thing of like the wrapping up. Yeah. And you kind of get a glimpse of what's between the books. Like what always comes to mind for me is the last chapter of Grave Peril. It's like, so he's like recovering and he's trying to talk to Susan, doesn't really work. And then uh, Justine, that was hard to remember her name, kind of shows up with the bow. I'll let you guess where. And then like, it's, you know, the tiny little things, but then the ending line of getting the postcard, it said three words, I'll let you, get, I'll let you guess what they are. And that just kind of gives you the hint of what's between Great Peril and Summer Night of he's killing himself trying to fix Susan. It was, it's a very well done ending. I think his endings always work. It's just, I sometimes feel like they're too descriptive, not descriptive, but telly. Plotting. I guess. Yeah. I mean, they, they do feel like, out of if It goes from a live action story to a, let me tell you what happened with a nice little bow on top of it. Also, here's some hints about what's going to happen. Yeah, he doesn't have any action to be able to work with anymore. So, like, the ending of Cold Days is a good example of the action is over and they're sitting around a campfire talking. That'd be fine if they're sitting there there talking, but most of the endings aren't talking. It's just Dresden telling you what happened. I think it's something he got better at. Because, like, the ending of Skin Game is also sitting with Michael talking. (laughs) That works. Yeah. And ghost story is lying on Demon Reach talking. (laughs) (laughs) Work your way backwards, man. I mean, it's necessary in Dresden because he takes such a beating. Yeah. And the endings are good. It just feels formulaic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, but you need to have the, like, sense of, okay, this particular storyline is done. Yeah. Kind of have that, that letdown, sort of, which you just don't get in changes, which is why it was infuriating to read. Because <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I was done, I realized it didn't have ghost story. To <laughs> <laughs> rereading ghost story, I realized it's still my least favorite Dresden. It's still good, though. <laughs> it's still good. Yeah. It's, it's on the spectrum of good, it's near the bottom. <laughs> So I try to explain to people, like, I don't particularly like this. It's not bad. It's just I don't particularly like it or care for it or ever want to read it again. But it's not bad. But Dresden needed a bit of a time skip. So mm-hmm. there we go. A little bit of time skip and, like, you need to see the shit that happened after changes. It's like, okay, that half of the story is done. Here's the aftermath. Seeing the aftermath is kind of important. <laughs> Epilogues are kind of useful for that. Yeah. Because very rarely is everything like just, okay, the world ended. And then there's nothing after that. It can happen. Just very rarely. I'm reminded again of the ending of Assassin's Quest. He spends the entire, the entire book is basically middle. Mm -hmm. And I kid you not, that story's ending was the last page and a half. He, I have, I should say, Robin Hobb. I've never seen someone conclude a story so quickly. After spending so many useless words of travel. Like there wasn't actually a climax. He went out there, spent God knows how many pages running around. They figured out the secret. And for like two pages, they ran around solving the problem. And then the last page and a half was like, and then he went and fixed everything. 
and I have an irrational hatred for that book, but that ending was just so freaking quick. It was it, like, there's no way to be satisfied by that. Like you've read the first two, right? Yeah. You know, the whole Welcome. thing with the red ship, the red ship Raiders and mm-hmm. people and whatnot. Yeah. I kid not you not. Crazy shit. That wasn't mentioned until the last page and a half where he oh. turned into a dragon and killed them all or something. Uh, it was like, I mean, why? I, I, I get thought that. it was going to lead into an, the next trilogy or whatever was going to go deal with that, but nope, nope. Problem solved. I mean, the next trilogy might be dealing with it because he's True. got dozens of trilogies of that series. Just I have to admit that, but for someone who finished that trilogy, felt like, what? It's weird when you have, like, I don't know how she does it because I haven't read it yet, but Robin Hobb, she has the individual books of a trilogy, and the first two of that one was really, really good. And then the third one, which is, like, the overall middle and bad ending, but it's got to be the ending of that trilogy because then she's got the next trilogy to go off of, which yeah. still have the same characters, even. I mean, I love Fits in the Pool, so... Yeah, they're fun. I want to see more of them, and I will eventually read them. Mm-hmm. But for the conclusion of that storyline, it happened way too quick for taking so long to get there. Yeah, you have to have a certain amount of time in the, the ending for it to matter. Like, you have to have a certain amount of middle for things to, to build up to that climax. But if you just, like, and then it's over, it's like it's, there's no way it's satisfying because you're not letting people absorb it and, mm-hmm. like, deal with it work through it, whatever it is. Even if you tie up your story in two pages, keep in mind your readers don't want you to. Mm-hmm. Your readers want to enjoy and, pro- and like you said, process this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which and might be the only good, I shouldn't say only, but might be what the last chapters in Dresden typically do is let you absorb and enjoy what just happened. Yeah. Try to like deal with the aftermath. And kind of like process, okay, not only, for example, in small, yeah, small favor, Michael gets hurt. But it's not just that you know that, you actually get to see them dealing with the fact that he's hurt. And that's important. That's really painful. important. Yeah, and you need that pain. Yeah, Dresden feels guilty. Yeah. <laughs> and the entire point of writing for Jim Butcher is to torture people. <laughs> so you need that. <laughs> Like, the, the final ending of Dresden is going to be something silly like and then I went to like the pub and drank myself silly the end <laughs> and Max said more than two words <laughs> well that only happens in changes so yeah but that'll make it, it special again yeah I feel like I don't know about you but I don't feel like we're going to get a bad ending for Dresden I, I feel not. like I mean like after I, all he's been through, give the fucker a good ending. Like I feel like it's just gonna work out for a lot of them. Like you know, I, I do enjoy some of the superhero shows on like CW, like Supergirl and Flash and stuff. And something bad always happens in the season finale. I'm like, come on, guys. You can have one season where you just let people ride into the summer <laughs> on a happy note. You don't have to like do this every time. It's like every time the sun rolls around, you're like, well, some new bad shit's about to happen. Like, so every Harry Potter ending also? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Like, hey, you solved the problem, but there's hints that it's not going to work well. 
Well, I mean, you solve the problem, no matter how happy you are, you have to deal with summer. Right. Summer is a bad oh, right, thing yeah. for Harry Potter. Because he goes yeah. to the mm-hmm. Dursleys. Until he doesn't. Until he doesn't. Yeah. Which is pretty quick, right? Only after like book. Three, no, I think it's four. books five, six that he stops going. I think it's in the beginning of book seven where he's like, you have to move. But I think. And, but I think he was still going there because that was the only way to make the charm work. Oh, right. That was an actual. Yeah. That was like, you have to be with unhappy people because of charm. There's a reason that the whole uh, Hogwarts staff wasn't guilty of mass child neglect. Yeah. It was necessary (laughs) for him to go back to those horrible people. Yeah. (laughs) So to end, don't suck um, at your ending. I feel like like our listeners, especially this episode, are gonna be like, "Yeah, I what, learned jack shit." What advice did we actually reach here? Tie up your plot lines. Don't feel don't feel like you have to put a bow on it. It's okay uh, if you if you do. It's that. It's okay if you do. It's okay if you don't do it either. And it's okay to murder everybody, and it's okay sure. for everyone to live happily ever after. But make sure you're ending follows the actual story you just wrote and make sure you have an ending (laughs) you know cannot be just entirely middle you have to have an ending which hey if if george r R. martin actually finishes game of thrones satisfactory he'll be like the greatest writer of all time yeah end that shit gigantic mess that i don't know how he can handle i don't know how anyone could handle that which might explain why we're still waiting on mm-hmm. winter. Yeah, he's not Sanderson. No. Yeah. Sanderson also doesn't write himself into that corner, though. That's true. He he has endings. He has them planned out. Then he just oh, writes right. more books afterwards. How much I loved the ending of... Uh, what was the second one there? Uh, Words of Radiance. Did anyone read that? Um. Yes. Okay. That's the second one. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I read that I one. Wanna, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't. But I love the way he twisted expectations in the end there, where <laughs> yeah. you think there's a character that's going to be a running antagonist, and it's like, just kidding. Nope. And you think this character is going to be like the good guy the entire time? Nah. <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> it was good. I should read Oathbringer. You haven't read it yet. No. I've got that's so many freaking books. It's hilarious. It's yeah, the uh, Andreas is reading it right now. Are you kidding? Nice. <laughs> yeah, just the the ending needs to mark some a, a new state of being for the characters. You, and that mm. could then be you know being all dead. That's definitely a new state of being. Like if you look at like uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, which has a great ending, um, the only thing that really changes in any of their lives is the captain starts playing poker with the other officers. They've been invited for seven years, never did it, never did it, never did it. At the end, he sits down, plays poker, fade to black, end of series. And that is a great note to end on. Yeah. And the sky's the limit, fade to black, created by Gene Roddenberry. (laughs) (laughs) And I I do like the way uh, the storytelling in Final Fantasy XIV marks the end of each major storyline by moving into a new era. Like the people of the place just basically agree, okay, we're moving into this new era because 
monumental shit just happened. We're going to acknowledge it. It just kind of feels necessary. It, yeah. Monumental shit happens. You need to acknowledge it. it. And as the issue of the serial middle of monumental shit happened, that was meaningless because we need to have more episodes. <laughs> We're not acknowledging the fucking thing. Ugh, I hate it. TV hey, shows have that problem. Yes, they really do. It's the, see, hey, we did the storyline with these two characters. Let's do that same storyline with these two characters and see what happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or let's just do that storyline all over again. Mm -hmm. With like different dressings, but the same details. It's it, meh. It, it's, it's just middle syndrome. Your reader wants to be surprised. Sort of. Sort of. Don't break the formula, but yeah. Right. But make <laughs> it interesting again. Uh, I've been watching this show on Netflix called Episodes. Apparently it was on Showtime. And one of the main characters is Matt LeBlanc, you know, Joey from Friends, playing Matt LeBlanc, playing himself pretty much. And so he is something he talks about. He's like, you know, in Britain, you made 30 episodes. We did 240 of Friends. So when you're in the middle of season seven, racking your brain for ideas, you need to leave things open. And so there's all this really, because the show is about a show, like producing it, writing it. So there's all these really interesting meta things about writing about how, yeah, it would make more sense now to do this. But if you're going to have to keep going forward, you can't do it because you need it for later. Middle syndrome <laughs> endings are important to have that's my spiel endings are what your reader is reading your book for yeah yep yeah as much as they might enjoy the journey yeah still has to have an ending and all good endings end with like somebody saying something <laughs> at least in my opinion those are my favorite endings or someone just says something like something big happens and they're like well shit <laughs> you know the end, end or, well that was great <laughs> just happy endings too because that's totally how we're gonna end andromeda's love is something very 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 bad's gonna happen and one of the main characters is gonna go oh shit <laughs> that doesn't sound like an ending that sounds like a cliffhanger it which is be, okay it might be a cliffhanger but it but you can end entire things on cliffhangers. It's okay. Yeah. If if you reach the point where you understand the characters are going to solve whatever problem you throw at them in the last page, it's okay to say, and then they're going to go do it. You can picture what happens. You can figure it out. Like, he could literally end a Dresden book by throwing a problem at Dresden and then start the book, next book without that and be like, okay, yeah, Dresden solved it. <laughs> That's what he does. <laughs> like he That's could have great. his big apocalyptic trilogy. Dresden saves the day. And then the end of the last book could be, and then I'm back to being Dresden and here's some stupid problem I got to go solve. Yeah, that's the, it's the kind of the, the life goes on thing, but like um, aliens arrive and they're going to like blow your brains out. No, and then it's like, oh shit, like that's a cliffhanger. <laughs> Don't throw a bigger problem than you've dealt with before as your cliffhanger. Uh, it can be a cliffhanger. I'm just saying that's not an ending. No, it's not. 
I don't know how to write endings. I just like. Mm. Oh, it write an ending, damn it! It's, I'm stuck in the middle. Write an ending for a book beginning. that isn't finished. I'm stuck in the beginning. I'm stuck in the world building. Yeah. Take your book. Figure out. Yeah, it's really hard when you are working in the world building. Mm-hmm. Because but just write an ending for something. Yeah, I, uh, for one of my stories that I've written like 3,000 words for, 1,500 of it, I just went in and because I had a, I knew what I wanted the ending to be, so I wrote the ending. I mean, I do have the, the ending like decided. It's like I have the, this is the beginning situation. This is the ending situation. I need to figure out the middle. That's Screw my thing. The middle. Just tie the beginning and ending together and say, hey, we have a book. Woo! If you have ropes set connecting those two things you have the structure of the middle already established working on it <laughs> working on that you can't just throw a rope you need to like hey, wind it into a bridge i kind of did that with carolyn where i began the story on the ending of a potential different storyline to yes. set up the rest of the story but or you could always do the whole bullshit you start with the ending and then you three weeks earlier <laughs> Not a fan of those. <laughs> I just watched that uh, episode of Rick and Morty where he's like, it was like three weeks earlier. It was the uh, look who look look who's purging now episode. <laughs> oh right, that began with the bloodbath and then explained how it got there. Right, but like he's like Morty's having to listen to this like uh, lighthouse like lighthouse keepers like screenplay. He's like, well, I don't really care for the the whole three weeks earlier thing. Because <laughs> you can do that. You can start at the end. That's okay to do too. It's just difficult to do it well. I won't say right. In the but end, like... it doesn't even matter, right? <laughs> Don't do it unless there's a very good reason to do it that way. Okay, Memento did it right. But Memento was out of order the entire time. So that's why it did it right. <laughs> There's no reason to start at the beginning if you're not going to go beginning, middle, end. Yeah. Memento did it right. <laughs> it's like, other than like the Archer episode where they did it, it's like, I can't think of other times I enjoyed it. I mean, on occasion, it's not bad. Sure. It's just, you have to have reasons for it. it you have to have a like a whole like, lot better in the middle change. of something. Like, it's not something that's going to really work at the beginning of a new story. You know, it kind of works in certain TV shows because you have all these established characters, previous things, and you put your protagonist in a really weird situation and explain how you got there. But so if it's already established, you can do it because they've it's already been evil. It's easier to do it because people already care. I mean, because yeah. in a like, if it's the start of a new story, you like, oh, these characters are about to die, and no one knows who they are. They don't give a shit they're about to die. They're just, yeah. So yeah, I, I can see it working in like, you know, the middle book of a trilogy. I could, I could see it working there. I think it's something that would piss me off if it was for an entire book. Granted, actually, no, I, I've read a book that did that before and it was fine. I just didn't realize that was the ending. It was like, this is weird, moving on. And then I realized it was the ending. It didn't do the like three weeks earlier tagline. It just like, 
one page of the ending, which you end up reading towards the end of the book. It's like, oh, okay, that's what happened. Right. Or another way that, uh, like, like, a really good way that, or thing that does it is Fight Club, the movie, because I've never read the book. But he's like, he starts with, uh, you know, with the gun in his mouth. And he's like, it all starts with, you know, Marla. And it goes back. And then he comes back to that point. And he's like, oh, deja vu humor. <laughs> or flashback humor or something like that. Mm-hmm. Very, it's very meta, but that's a good, you can do it that way. It's not so stark as to, you know, because. One thing I'm noticing is that like, I enjoyed those two examples and they didn't do the timestamp of how mm-hmm. far back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was like, it, that seems a bit worse. It, be, it changes your perception when you put a time period on it, right? Yeah. Especially be unless, I mean, it's one thing if you go go like 24 hours earlier because then that ticking clock is there to begin with. But if you say, if you give a time period and don't give the reader the sense of time running out, then it's kind of useless, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. So, I mean, it's, it, it, there's a joke in, in South Park um, in um, the Ladder to Heaven episode, season nine, I believe. Actually, I'm pretty positive to see like season nine, episode eight, but I know way too much about South Park. Anyway, um, so there's this, there's this line in there. He's like, it's called the ticking clock. It works great in the movies. And it's because he puts this artist's stupid artificial time limit on the kids, like redeeming their candy shopping spree. And, but that creates that, that the, the tension as minutes tick off the episode of will or will they not. And mm-hmm. you get that in a lot of, that's the reason you do the flashback sort of thing is to build that, you have that built in ticking clock. Ticking clocks are great in terms of adding tension. Dresden does it all the time. Dresden, yeah. I mean, almost all of his books are ticking clocks. Does flashbacks. Right. And in fact, it's a ghost story. It's the only time I can think of him really doing flashbacks. Um, and I guess there was a little bit in Grave Peril. It was just that, like, I've got nothing else to do. Here's the memories. Right, right. The, but the, 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 time, the, the jump back timestamp thing is a way to build in a ticking clock. Because you're starting at this, like, climatic point and then going back and building towards it instead of saying, instead of, building or having to establish the reason why there's a ticking clock. So Dresden also likes to cut out a lot of uh, Dresden's actual problem solving. What like do you mean by that? Planning. He'll plan his big finale off screen and then let it unfold in front of you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to tell it twice. <laughs> yeah. Like he'll be like, all right. And then I went and made some phone calls. Mm-hmm. And then those phone calls were really important, but he doesn't tell you what happened there. Right. Yeah. Turncoat's a great example of that. I think also White Knight, because I don't think he ever really explains the phone call to Marcone. Is it White Knight? No. Oh, yeah. I mean, in White Knight, he called, if he talks to Marcone, then it's because Marcone and company and Hendrix like shows up in the deeps. Yeah. Led there by Thomas. But he didn't really tell you that. He just said, okay, I made a phone call to Marcone. And gave him a deal he couldn't refuse. Yeah, and then all of a sudden he has help right when he needs them. Yeah. It works. Yeah. It, it works. works. Yeah. It's just he likes to skip the part where he tells you that what he was planning. Oh yeah, he does that all the time. He doesn't want to 
like tell you that know. there's going to be help coming. He wants you to think that it is really that. Also, a very noiry um, trope. Yeah. The you know it's almost like a heist story trope well, where uh, they put something into motion off screen and it comes through at the end. I was gonna say skin game. The whole Goodman Gray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Until it was important. Okay, that was a genuine flashback. I forgot about that one. Was it? Did he flashback? I haven't read Skin Game. Yeah, because it's like, uh, what? Are, game over, bad game over. And then like one chapter of this happened in the beginning of the book and we didn't show it. So that was a no, genuine flashback. Ally that's going to save his ass. Mm-hmm. He really likes doing that. Yeah, allies out of nowhere, but you don't get to know. It's fun. It is. It is fun. Now I think we are sufficiently off topic that we should tie this up with a nice little bow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure we actually had a topic this episode, but we thank you for sticking around anyway. I feel like we talked more about how to get to the ending than how to do the ending. Getting to the ending is important in order to having an ending. Yes. Like yeah. make it there, and once you get there, in the fucking book, please. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever you're writing. I was going to say uh, Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Mm-hmm. Ended way later than it needed to. <laughs> I could have done without the entire LA scene. You know, it's one of those things where it's okay. It's better, in my opinion, to end it a little too early than too late. Yes. There's a difference between being a little unsatisfied and what bored. Bored. Yeah. yeah. Don't be bored. Don't be boring. Kind of like what we're doing right now. Just dragging this episode on. Because <laughs> we don't know how to end things. <laughs> uh, really you, things. You could find us at uh, Broken Jars at XYZ. Uh, broken or Patreon.com forward slash Broken Jars. You can find me on Twitter at, at Jacob Ingles. Um, uh, Colin and Alex I've got a Twitter, but yeah, they don't use them. Yeah. Uh, you can email us at broken jars broadcasting at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, you can talk to us on Discord if you pay us some money. Yep, so uh, we'll be back in two weeks, hopefully, actually staying on topic or more on topic than we no. did this time around. No. We're never on topic, sometimes, but we are, but hopefully, we're entertaining. There are times we are more on topic. Let's put it that way. (laughs) All right. So we will see y'all in uh, two weeks. Have a good one.